Hey there, Elise Dillard here, host of Let's Break the Odds podcast, the go-to podcast to navigate you towards breaking the odds in your life, family, and career. I'm an everyday woman who broke the odds by graduating college debt-free, helped my friends to successfully fund their education debt-free, and now have the honor of speaking and navigating students and families across the country towards funding their education debt-free as well. Think of this podcast as your weekly coffee rendezvous, where we chat about life, career, and how to create a lasting legacy. And let's face it, I'm just one person, so I'll be bringing on industry experts, professionals, and individuals to join us and share insight to help you and to help us get to the next level and continue to break the odds in our life, family, career, and communities. Let's do this together. This is Let's Break the Odds podcast. Let's Break the Odds podcast is brought to you by The Student Navigator, the go-to resource towards funding your education debt-free. With the online programs and tools that have helped students break the odds and fund their education debt-free, you now have a proven roadmap that you can utilize and implement right at home. Use promo code BREAKTHEODDS to save on the Funding College Debt-Free online bootcamp. That's promo code BREAKTHEODDS to save. Visit thestudentnavigator.com forward slash academy to get plugged in today. Hey there, Elise Dillard here, host of Break the Odds. If you're new to the show, welcome. Are you a working student with a desire to graduate debt-free? Or are you someone who works a nine-to-five job but feels a calling on your heart to start your own venture? Well, you're in the right place because today's guest shares how they broke the odds in the workplace and how your job can help you pursue your dreams. Back with us today for part two of her interview series is Marlene Mina, chair and founder of Josiah Kids Incorporated. In our last episode for part one of her interview series, Marlene transparently shared her story of how to break the odds with turning pain into purpose. It's such a powerful episode. Now, before we dive in with part two of her interview, if you're new to the show and tuning in for the first time, let me introduce you to Marlene by reading you a snippet of her career highlights from her bio and more about Josiah Kids Incorporated. Marlene Mina is a Christian writer, Bible teacher, and a personal growth and development speaker. She is the chair and founder of Josiah Kids Incorporated, a 501c3 nonprofit organization with a mission to educate, empower, and equip young students and teens in the local community and the areas of faith, leadership, community service, and the arts. Marlene's academic background includes a certificate in medical administration, a two-year training in youth ministry, a bachelor's degree in biblical education, a master of divinity, and a master in leadership from Luther Rice College and Seminary in Lithonia, Georgia. Her professional journey has led her through a handful of Fortune 500 companies, including the Coca-Cola Company, where she worked for 16 years supporting senior leaders and one C-suite executive. As stated in part one of this interview series, I had the pleasure of being an MC for Josiah Kids annual award ceremony a couple years ago. And I can truly say that Marlene and her entire family have such a heart for the community and raising up the next generation of world changers. Marlene and I chatted for an entire hour here at Break the Odds, and in part two, we chat about funding college debt-free, leadership, how to work at your job with excellence and integrity, even if you feel a calling on your heart to start your own venture, and how to have your job's blessing as you pursue your dreams and your venture. Let's dive in. Hi! 
Elise. How are you doing, Marlene? I'm doing well, Elise. How are you today? I'm doing wonderful. I'm excited for us to chat. And so um, once again, welcome Marlene to the show. Um, before we really dive into our chat, in your words, um, share with us more about you, um, your background, and what inspired you to start Josiah Kids. And to, I know what Josiah Kids is, but to let those listening know what Josiah Kids is as well. Sure, absolutely. So basically, we wanted to, our mission, I should go back to the mission because then it informs better and I can build from that. Our mission is to educate, to empower, and to equip young students and teens in the local communities, in the areas of faith, areas of leadership, areas of community service, innovation, athletics, and the performing arts. So what we offer, we actually bring in guest speakers from all walks of life. And we love to bring in quality guest speakers. I know at least you've been our guest speaker before and you talked about goal setting. Um, because we're after three things mainly. We really want our students to come in and be able to get the tools they need to first and foremost become a person of value. Like, how do you manage your, your time? How do you manage your relationships? How do you ma manage money? How are you as a person, your health? And, and to build a person of value in that way, setting goals, achieving those goals. Thinking about, you know, how do you get your mind from, you know, wanting that life of ease that we all want to going, tra transforming that and becoming a person who really wants to be service minded and someone who wants to give back and invest in others, right? So that's the first one. The second one is, I just kind of touched on that a little bit, is, is serving. Uh, we're big on you just don't want to be good for the sake of being good. We want you to be good so that you can use your gifts to be able to serve a need, to be able to connect those gifts to serving others. And then the last one, of course, again, is convictions. We really believe in strengthening the convictions of our young people. And that just kind of speaks to their belief system. That speaks to elevating your thought process and elevating your, your, your way of thinking thinking i say i i I'm, I'm really big on that mentality and how you process information and then having courage courage to put into practice what you what you're learning so we bring in guest speakers it could be paul uh, it could be um athletes it could be uh executives of companies it could be uh, musicians and whatever so they get to hear from so many different people and then we teach bible we have a teen session, which is an hour long, and that's where we really go delve into a little more of the teenage stuff, you know, that the younger ones may not kind of connect to. So we want to help them to transition into, into adulthood with a better promise so that you can build um, a meaningful life for yourself, but as well as build or make a meaningful difference. So build a meaningful life for yourself, but also make, make a meaningful difference. So when you come into just our kids, you're going to, you know, have, we're talking innovation, we're talking leadership, we're talking Bible and faith, we're talking a lot of dance and music and the performing arts, and we, we have athletics. So we had basketball at it and soccer, but then COVID-19, of course, has kind of slowed everything down. So that's yeah. what you can find, yeah. 
Awesome. I love that. So, um, so let's talk a little bit more about, okay, you said, so like, first of all, you said Coca-Cola, they helped you, you they paid for your undergrad and your master's, you said? Okay, so you know I'm all about funding college debt-free, <laughs> you know, so, you know, I have to know, like, you know, how, how, how were you able to do that? You know, was it, um, kind of talking, expand on that, on graduating college debt-free right. and, and even getting your advanced degree paid for because, you know, a lot of students, you know, they feel like it's impossible to do um, just through what I do, having graduate debt-free and, and creating the student navigator and guiding students through that process when I speak and talk to families um, and especially when it comes to like an advanced degree level. Um, but share with families and parents how it is possible and how you were able to do that and give some tips regarding that that they can, you know, apply with their life and their education. Absolutely. Okay, so basically the first thing I want to say is um, – when I first moved to Atlanta, I came in with the mindset I was going to have to just work and pay for my schooling. This is for my undergrad. So um, it was tough because I remember this is now the season I just described where I, I lost my dad. So I'm working, I'm paying my rent, and I'm paying my tuition. And I remember just negotiating with the business office constantly um, because I didn't want to apply for those loans and I didn't want to do that. So I remember coming to class a few times and in my locker, there's a letter from the business office saying your classes have been canceled and I'm going, oh no, like I really need to be in class. So when I first got to Coca-Cola, I started off as a contractor. So as a contractor, you don't have any education benefits. And I, I was really hoping that I could go on permanent because I knew if I went on permanent, Coca-Cola does actually offer some education benefits. So 11 months, for 11 months I worked at Coke as a contractor, I had to do it out of pocket. I was paying for school out of pocket. And then after the 12, uh, 11th month, they took me on permanent, which was amazing. And that was my eye was on that goal to get to that education benefit. And I wasn't sure whether they would agree to do it because, of course, every company wants you to, you know, justify is it work related? Is it work related? Mm -hmm. And so my boss, like I said, and I would have these conversations. And what I loved about him and what I, I have learned as a leader is you really have to rally around your people, the people that are working for you to be an advocate for them. And to, for him, he made, he made the effort to say, let's assess this together. Let's sit down and talk about this. Does it make you better at your work if you pursue this degree? Okay, it's not work related directly, but will it give you skills to be better at what you do? And the more we unpacked it and talked about it, he, he saw that it, it was going to make me better. It was going to help me to be more um, dependable at work. <laughs> it was going to help me to be more um, open up my worldview. It was going to help me to be a better team player. So I, I, I say that to say the, the way he kept taking me along with every prom promotion he got, and he said it personally, he said it more than once, um, you add a lot of value to me. So he mm. saw that in me growing, I was helping him and the organization to grow as well. So it was easy every year because the way it works at Coke, they want to, you, you need to get a seal better for you to qualify for this. Okay. So they, they will fund it, but they want you to present your report card at the very end of the semester to show 
what your grades were, what classes you took, how much it cost, right? Now, the other thing is I had to pace myself because they have a limit. They're not just going to pay the whole thing. So they, they'll say, for example, okay, we'll cover, I'm just giving a number. Let's just say they say 5000 a year. So what I did is I made sure that my classes always fit whatever that amount was, and I kept going so that they would still cover it next semester and next semester. Um, but it, it was okay to me to pace myself because I knew eventually I was going to end up graduating debt-free. So they, um, whether it was the computers, the books, as long as your grade was a C or better. So what I had to do with undergrad, they wouldn't wait for their money until Coca-Cola gave it to me. They wanted it up front. So many times I had to work, pay it up front, and then get it back from Coke. And then when I get it, I would just kind of set it aside and then pay it for my for my next semester, right? Now for the for the grad school, what I loved is they were so kind and understanding. As long as my boss signed something to say, if she gets to see a better way of paying for these classes, they accepted that, put it on the file. And at the end of it, and I, I, I'm grateful to God because I graduated straight A's, both undergrad awesome. and grad school. So I finished with straight A's. So that was never a problem. They, they got their money every single semester. I got it from Coke. I sent it to them. And that is how I finished debt-free from both of those uh, schools. I love that. With your experience of Coca-Cola, you know, your boss and, you know, him, you know, identifying your value and, and having being around all these amazing leaders and being able to be under their leadership. Are you applying that now with Josiah kids, like taking some of that leadership guidance that you received? And if so, kind of expand on that, on how, you know, a listener, they might be feeling like, like they're in a place that they know they have something greater later. Um, how can, what forms of encouragement or tips can you share for them on how they can, even though they feel like where they're at is not their end destination or what their purpose to do, how they can still make the most of it um, for later? I love the question, Elise. That's such a good question because I can't tell you how restless I got at one point about leaving Coca-Cola. I was so determined to leave and I was like, I know this is not what I, this is just not what I, I am called to do. I have more to do. So I need to get out. I need to get out. And I got so restless so many times. Now, the way <laughs> everything worked out, every time I got so serious about leaving, something happened. Like, for example, at one point, you know, I got married while I was still working at Coke and, and, um, just as I get serious about leaving, we find out that we're having a baby and I go, oh man, I gotta stay a little longer because I needed that help and I needed the benefits and all of that good stuff. So I stayed and I, I was put for a while. Um, the next, the second time I really tried to leave, my husband got laid off from his job. So then I knew that God was guiding me to wait and it wasn't time yet. So there were, there were so many things I was overlooking and I couldn't see that at the time. I couldn't see that God wanted me to gain some type of exposure and learn so many critical things I was going to be using where he's taking me at the time. So for example, and to be very practical, my boss, by the time I left, he had, let's say, 16 vice presidents reporting into him. So he's a very busy guy, very busy office, um, very senior leader. 
I took care of all the planning of our meetings. He had town halls, over 4,000 people under him. We, I took care of that, managing those town halls. Um, I made sure that we had skip level meetings. So, okay, I, I made sure every direct report had a, a check-in with him, at least two every month. I made sure that their direct reports, so these vice presidents, their direct reports had at least a skip level meeting with my boss at least once a year, if not twice. Calendar was so crazy. Wow. Um, I made sure that we had round tables where we had the entire, like try and get the entire organization at a round table to talk to him. So they can talk about their pain points. So they could talk about the successes. So they can ask him questions and have access to him. So those were um, very, there, there was a lot happening on any given day where I got to see firsthand how you organize a town hall, how you speak to people, how you prepare those slides, how we send out the invites. It was me. I was managing his calendar and his time and his travel. And, you know, and I remember saying, somehow I just feel like I'm going to need this where I'm going. So I need to settle down because I, I just need to accept that, you know what, this may not be my end goal but it's definitely the runway God is using to prepare me for takeoff. So I need to glean and take note of everything he's doing. And sure enough, as soon as I left, I had to put together a board of directors of my own. I had to put together a leadership team of my own. I have to teach classes. I have to speak in front of people all the time. I have to I, I go places and speak. Those are things that, again, you may have it in you, but you're perfecting it where you are. And you want to be patient because most of the time we want to rush and get to the end and, and just kind of go into straight into what you think you want to do. I say, honestly, if I had not stayed those 16 years there, I don't think I would be the type of leader I am now. I, I really don't. And I think I'm, I'm still making mistakes and learning. We're all learning and we carry a growth mindset with us because we say yes i'm i'm this way today but i want to improve on this and this and that but i feel like i'm making less and less mistakes and i'm more intentional about certain things uh how to direct a team how to direct a board i'm more intentional and and i, I feel like I'm, I'm i'm a little better equipped because i stuck around and let him mentor and train me, even when I didn't know that that's what I was being prepared for. So I encourage anyone out there who feels restless, you know, be patient with the process and don't rush mm. the process. Because just like a child has to crawl and then they pull themselves up and then they start walking and then they'll start running, there's a process and everything in life is designed that way and every time we skip the process it shows up later it shows up in how you lead a team it shows up in how you govern it shows up in how you speak it shows up in how you write emails how you respond to people it shows up in everything so i always i'm a firm believer in give it time allow the process to process you because more often than not it's the things we can't see that are being refined when we allow ourselves to just stay put and and when you're fighting it i i, I liken that because i thought about this when i was in coke and i was trying to i was so restless to get out i kept 
likening that to the image of, you know, someone who's drowning in a pool and the, the lifesaver is trying to get to you, but you're kicking mm -hmm. and you're all, you know, it's like you have to give them a minute to, to wear out, then you can pull them out kind of thing. So it's as if we, we, we all need to settle and accept the place because when it's time to leave, you won't have to fight your way out. Mm. I saw that. I saw that waiting actually was a blessing because in me waiting, I left with so much support from all of these senior leaders. I mean, I left with their, you saw them, Elisa. Some, one of them spoke at our, our um, annual award ceremony as the keynote speaker. That was a global innovation officer, right? Um, my boss still serves on our board um, and he's right there in my corner. He says, come, let's have lunch. How's everything going? How can I help you? And he listens to me and, and he helps me to process and to keep making changes along the way. So if I had just left, I would leave without that support, without that help. So I say that when you leave, try to leave with a blessing. Because if you leave with their blessing, you leave with the support and you, you actually open doors for them to help you in another season. So that's my advice. Yeah, I love that. I love what you say. You say be patient with the process. Mm -hmm. And that analogy of you say like a baby, you know, when you, you know, you're crawling and then you go through different phases of development as a baby. We go through different phases as people, you know, when it comes to our development. And, you know, I know that phrase personal development is such a common used word, but it truly is personal development. Really and there's different phases and steps that we need to go through as individuals to take us to where we need to go. And for each person, it's different. You know, every person's path is different. So, but, but there's still a level of, you know, a development that we each have to do. And, and you, Honestly, you said it so well, Elise. You cannot overstate that. And what I tell my younger students is most of the time we confuse good grades and athletics with our personal development because we're making A's in science and A's in math and we're strong on the field. We feel like we're doing all we can to, you know, develop ourselves. But most of the time, I mean, I was a straight A student and I was very, very reliable, but guess what? There were so many things I did not even realize I had not developed. I hadn't developed those things. So it is a very intentional process that you go through. And I love that you use that word. And even though it can be overused, it is such an important word. Our personal development is very often overlooked. And so you finish school and you say, well, I got straight A's and I was a very good athlete. So I don't understand why I'm not doing well, why I'm not being promoted. I was in those rooms with the executives making decisions on what jobs are being cut or who's performing well. Who is that um, indispensable business partner? Who is that person that's being exed? at the next layoff, who's not working out? What are the people, what, what, what do they have an issue with with this person's work or this person as a person? And it's that executive or that leader, that vice president who has a, a, a position but won't say good morning in the elevator. And you get to hear that in those 
round table meetings and it's complaint after complaint how you respond to emails or how you say you're going to do this but you don't do it or how you take credit for someone else's work those are things we have to refine and correct before we get to where we're going so if you want to be successful and you don't fix those things from within those things will become a problem for you later. So when you're describing that development, I just wanted to add that it's that critical. It really is. It's overstated, yes, but it's that critical. Yeah, and you know, and that's true. You know, sometimes we often mix up personal development versus career development. Yes. But in order for us to develop in our career, we have to first start with ourselves. Oh, you know, no, so it goes exactly. hand in hand. Exactly. Yeah, it goes hand in. Mm -hmm. And I think also just going back to what you had shared a little bit earlier with your time with your um, with your job, you know, just to emphasize for those listening, you know, if you are someone who's in a place where you feel like it's not, you know, that's not your in place, you know, one thing that you did was you, you still operated with excellence and you still did your best. And that's why, you know, I just want to highlight to listeners that, you know, now, you know, her job, Coca-Cola, they support her and her because um, you left Coca-Cola to start Josiah Kids, correct? Yeah. So that was the last place that she went before she went, walked into her purpose actively, you know, directly. And so, you know, um, where you are, like you said, it, it could it could even though where you are right now is not your in place, it could be a. Uh, um, uh, it can be someone that can help you down the line. Definitely. Oh, yeah. 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 So, so true. I like that. Yeah. And even just the fact that you were there for 16 years. I mean, some, some people, you know, maybe, maybe it's a parent that's, that's listening and they might feel like, oh, I know I have this dream and this purpose, but maybe they feel like, you know, they've got to wait to their children, you know, get of age, maybe 16 or 18 years old. And they feel like they may have to put their dream on the back burner, but here you are, you were there for 16 years and yet you were still able to grow and move forward in your purpose. And even though you didn't necessarily open the doors of Josiah kids in that moment, you were still moving forward towards that vision that you had. And so for anybody listening, if you feel like you've, maybe if, if you feel like you literally have to wait till your kids get older, or maybe you feel like you just had some sort of setback, you know, um, and you feel like you can't actively start with what you want to do, keep moving forward. Like we talked about doing personal development that will help move you forward. You can still move forward, develop those skills where you're at, and that can help you still move forward and not stay stagnant because you never know each phase of our life is for a reason and that could be used to catapult us, you know, to the next one. So, I love that. Yeah. You said it so well, and I, I really like what you said because, again, I just talked to our, our teens on Saturday and I was telling them the way you do anything is how you do everything. If you make your bed in a shabby way, you're probably going to fold your laundry in a shabby way. You're probably going to do your work in a shabby way. But if you develop a spirit of excellence in everything you do, guess what? People learn how to, it's like you're building your own personal brand. And then, then what you just finished elaborating, Elise, I like that because what we think is wasted time is not wasted time because preparation time is never wasted time right. and when you consider everything you're learning in that process it's not that you're you're putting your dream on hold per se as much as you won't have to go and and take those classes later you won't have to go and relearn that stuff later 
because now it's a part of who I am. So I carry that with me and I don't have to go and rebuild a new foundation. Now that I've left Coca-Cola, I took it with me. It is a part of who I am. Everything you develop and grow, it, it becomes yours. And now when you're moving out of there, you have been building a foundation that you can't see visually, but it's there and you're carrying it with you. So you've already started working on your dream, whether you realize it or not. And it's developing. The foundation is growing and it's coming all the way up, up to ground level. So most people will only see it the day you probably open the doors of your business or your, your dream. But for you, it's something that has been building for a while. Mm -hmm. Yes. Your grind is for a reason. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. So just to kind of, you know, elaborate a little bit on personal growth. I know you said like that was a huge part even in your journey when you were younger and getting through some of those tough seasons, you said you would, you know, open a book, whether it was the Bible or just a regular book. Um, and even just talking about now how that still is key in your career now. Talk a little bit more about that on how, you know, if someone's listening, maybe they feel like they're in a tough season and they're in a rut, how, how they can get out of that and um, use personal growth to personally grow and help them overcome any tough seasons that they're in. Okay, so these I like to say there's two types of um, mindsets. There's a growth mindset and there's a fixed mindset. And a fixed mindset could just be as simple as saying, I'm not good at this and I won't ever be good at it and it, don't, it won't change. It's just, it is what it is. I was, I was born like this. I've always been, you know, poor with language and that's just how I am. Um, you can have a growth mindset that says, you know what, I know I grew up in this area and I knew, know I didn't necessarily learn how to speak very well or try to express my ideas and my thoughts in such a way that others can understand me well and make an impact with my words. But guess what? I'm not good at it yet. Not yet, but I will be. I plan on improving this area. So it's everything that we do can be improved. If you carry a growth mindset and you trade that fixed mindset, because some people also have a fixed mindset on, I'm good at this, and they don't change anything about themselves. But I, I always say trade the fixed mindset for the growth mindset. You will find that in sitting down and reading a book there's so many times i just want to know like uh, there's a book i'm reading which was written by the ceo of of world disney and he was there for over 10 years leading as the ceo and i wanted to understand what how he did things what were the challenges there what were the opportunities what does a typical day look like for him you know so as i'm leading there's so many things I pick up out of the book that I go, oh, I love that. Write it down. And I can apply so many of them almost right away. So my team doesn't have to suffer under leadership of someone with a, a mindset that is so fixed <laughs> and a mindset that says, okay, I know this isn't working, but I'm not willing to explore other ways to do this. And you're going to find that a lot of times you'll do something. I mean, we did that year one of Josiah kids. We found some things that we were like, eh, it worked, but it can be better. What can we do to change this? People are applying with, you know, using paper. Like we're like, no, we got to automate all this. We got to go online. We got to make 
everything electronic. We fixed that. We, we, we improved that. Year two was amazing. But we were like, okay, some things worked well, some things didn't work well. I'm always revisiting to see what can we do better and how can we make this work for families, for students, what isn't working. And many times those ideas and thoughts are in a book or they're in a podcast like your po podcast, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah. And sometimes you're, you're just feeling um, COVID-19 and the headlines and these politics and so much going on. It's distracting. So you can lose your focus very easily and maybe even feel a little like, okay, we're about to start year three and COVID-19 is happening. Now what? What do I do? I'm the leader. Everyone's looking to you. So what are we doing? What are we doing? Are we back in session? So you have to make decisions and you have to make decisions that where the board of directors are on the same page, the leadership teams on the same page, that you're comfortable with what you're saying you're doing for your kids and the parents, that you're not putting your, your volunteers at risk. Like, and, and, and in order to process and think that way, I, I attribute a lot of this to the books I've been reading over the years, the people I've surrounded myself with, the people I can call and ask the input, but also I pray. I ask God for wisdom and direction because I understand what's at stake. So did I really, I don't know if I answered that question. So I'm going to just stop for a minute and let you help me make sure I answer. No, no, you did good. You did good. I actually was going to actually ask you to talk a little bit more about leadership as well, but you kind of touched on that, you know, on how, you know, with your experience of Coca-Cola and having, being around all these amazing leaders and being able to be under their leadership, you know, some tips that you have for someone who maybe they're wanting to start an organization or maybe they're a manager at their job or maybe they are, serve on a board or maybe they're, you know, president of their club at their school. Yeah. Like what are some, um, you know, leadership tips that you have for someone? on how to be a good leader. Yes, yes, okay. So I have worked around so many leaders over the years, my goodness, and I, I really am fortunate. I'm so, so grateful for the opportunities that I have had to work with incredible leaders. And leadership, you know, everyone has their own style, but when it comes to, um, th there's a bottom line when it comes to leadership. There's certain things that people are looking for. They're looking for a leader they can believe in, right? They can believe in you. But also, what's his name? John Maxwell says this. He says, <laughs> let's just say I my leadership level or where I am in my leadership abilities, I'm let, let's say a level six. And I'm trying to lead people who already have grown and developed to a level eight, level 10. It's very difficult for, for a level six leader to engage and maintain and, and, and keep those people on board if they don't, you know, you, you've got to keep on growing. Like we've just talked about this, but I can't emphasize that enough that if you stay at a level six and you want to attract the right board members, you want to attract the right leadership team, you have to come up if you want to attract quality. So people will not be drawn to you if you're not a quality leader. You won't draw quality, if you will. You want to draw in quality. So my the first tip is work on being quality because if you are quality and if you grow, then you're going to attract people of 
equal or better um, levels of thinking, levels of governing. So that's one. Number two, uh, my boss and I talked about this a lot because we got to see, I've seen great leadership. I've also seen some not so great leadership, right? So I learned from both and you have to learn from both. So you have to say, what do I see in these leaders that I don't like? And then you have to say, I got to get rid of these things and I got to work these things out of my own leadership um, development so that I don't become this kind of a leader. Like, for example, a leader who is inconsistent throws everybody off, right? So if you say, I'm gonna be there 5 p.m., we're having this meeting, and then 5.30, you're not there. Sometimes you're there, sometimes you're not, sometimes, you know, you throw your people off. So the consistency is key. And then the other thing my boss always said, he demonstrated, he always said, a week should never go by without your people hearing from you, if you're leading. Mm. You shouldn't let a whole week go by where they have no idea where you are, no idea what's going on. And equally, he would say, a week should not go by without. So, so the people you're leading need to hear from you and the, people, the person you're reporting to needs to hear from you. So you shouldn't just go quiet. Communication is, is huge. Communication is huge in good leadership. And the other thing is transparency. Uh, people want to, to know that they can trust you to be open, to be honest, to tell them, you know, sometimes, I mean, there's so much we could not talk about at Coke a lot of times because the, there's a lot of confidential stuff happening at the senior levels, right. but we knew that you have to protect that. So you have to have integrity. You have to be trusted. Someone should be able to trust you with some information and, and know that it won't be repeated because then people go and it leaks even into the media if you are not careful. So you have to have integrity. And then the other thing is a leader has to know the timing, timing, timing to do things. Sometimes you know that, hey, you know what? We need to send out this communication because people have questions. What's going on with COVID-19 timing? So you can't delay that so long and leave people in limbo because they start to formulate their own um, thoughts about it. And so they say, um, my, my boss always said, everything communicates, everything, what you say and what you don't say. And what you celebrate, you're preaching. If you celebrate this thing, then you're saying that you're okay with it. If you don't correct something and if you don't bring correction or confront something that's happening that, it, that people are discontented with, after a while you lose them also. Mm -hmm. So I saw this with my boss and I have adopted the same things. If there was a complaint that kept coming over and over and over again about a certain leader, he would ask, give me an offsite meeting with this person. I'm gonna either take them out to lunch or we're gonna have a talk and have a conversation. And sometimes he would do a 360, he would ask, people who are way above this person and people who reported to this person, do you have any feedback you want to send me? Because I want to have a conversation. And he would take that feedback and give it to them. So I believe as a leader, the feedback is a gift. Number one, we need to be open to receiving feedback. Number two, we need to be willing and brave enough to give it. Feedback is a gift and we always have to be open because most of the times we get defensive and if we're not mature yet to say, I need to listen to what this person is saying to me because it, it's going to cost you later if you don't listen. And I would rather have someone who tells me the truth 
and tells me, hey, this is what, you know, the team's having a hard time with your style of da 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 da. Okay? I want to listen and I want to go and correct it and I want to go and fix that. So feedback is huge. And my boss always said, you cannot change what you don't know isn't working for someone else. So if something someone is doing is driving you crazy, most people never tell you the truth about it. They, they, they'll talk to someone else about it. So leadership calls for a lot of courage. And you have to do bold things. You have to do the difficult things. You have to talk to people about things that are uncomfortable. But you have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. You, you're going to be kind, but you have to say the truth. I always say to your own self, be true. Don't say what you don't mean. Always say what you do mean and never flatter. Don't, don't try to buy your way into favor with someone else. And that's why I think the relationship between me and my boss has thrived into such a strong mentorship now because he knew I could tell him the truth. And he would always tell me, tell, give it to me, tell me. what. And, I, and I, I, I'm not that kind of person who will tell you what I think you want to hear. If you give me that place in your life to ask me what, you, what I really think is true or right, I would always tell you. I'm always going to tell you the truth. Only if I have that place in your life. Now, he's the same way. He'll say, hey, next time, let's do this differently. That didn't work for me. And I'm like, I can take that. I can receive that. So we need to be willing to hear, willing to give. And we need to also have a sense of, how do you say it? Um, vision that's so important because when people don't know where you're going it's hard to follow right right so some people are with very good at managing what's on our plate there's a delicate balance between what's on your plate today and what needs to be you need to start like for example you know we have our award ceremony coming up in november we're already thinking about that okay who's speaking who's performing that who are we recognizing? So we have to start a year in advance. And then all of our speakers, we schedule those a year in advance. And the calendar's already you know, booked. We know who's coming. So we're always thinking of today, what's gonna, you know, how are we gonna organize ourselves? How, how are we gonna broadcast the class? Who are kids? How do we make sure that we're not losing anyone? But at the same time, I'm already thinking, what are we doing for year four? And I have to give the, the board a strategic vision this is where we're going so that they can be on board to help me think through how we can get there right so vision is huge um and humility that's huge because again pride seriously just turns people off i don't care how smart you are or where you went to school i've seen that i've seen some amazing smart people and very very good leaders and I've seen people completely refuse to work for them because they go, no, no, too arrogant, too prideful, sorry. Wow. And so those things can carry with us. I, I, I truly believe that humility is a huge virtue um, that we all need to kind of embrace and, and keep close. And when we feel ourselves getting a little too, you know, just, you know, life has a way of just <laughs> bringing you back to, you know, but for this, I, I, for the sake of this conversation, I just want to say that I think humility is huge in the life of a leader because 
most people don't want to work for a person who is arrogant and prideful. Humility is a good thing because more people are willing to help you get to where you're trying to go when they notice that, you know what, this person's actually, they have the right estimate of who they are and they're not in the room thinking that their ideas are the best ideas all the time. Like they actually want to hear what, what other people want to say. I love that. Everything you just said was amazing. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being here. One thing that we just asked last is like, how can people find you to best connect with you? All right. So, okay. So one, josiahkids.com is our website. Um, I also write at josiahjude.org. Um, I, I, I love to write. So that's my new writing place. Um, you can also find me on Twitter, Marlene Mina, <laughs> or uh, on Instagram or Facebook. That's Josiah Kids or Josiah Kids and Teens. Wow, such valuable information Marlene shared. I wanted to highlight some things Marlene mentioned when talking about her 16-year journey at her job and patiently waiting for the right time to formally step out and pursue her calling with starting Josiah Kids. She shared how she said to herself, and I quote, This may not be my end goal, but it's definitely the runway God is using to prepare me for takeoff. I love that analogy. And then she proceeded to share, quote, you may have it in you, but you're perfecting it where you are. And you want to be patient because most of the time we want to rush and get to the end and just go into what you think you want to do. Honestly, if I had not stayed those 16 years there, I don't think I would be the type of leader I am now. Wow. And lastly, Marlene shared this piece of advice, which was, quote, in me waiting, I left with so much support from all these senior leaders. If I had just left, I would leave without that support, without that help. When you leave, try to leave with a blessing. Because if you leave with their blessing, you leave with the support. And you actually open doors for them to help you in another season. Such good advice. What was your biggest takeaway from today's episode, or better yet, from this interview series with Marlene? We'd love to know. Follow Break the Odds on social media and tag us, and use hashtag Breaking the Odds so we can celebrate with you as you take action. And if you're on Clubhouse, join our club, Break the Odds, for extended conversation from guests, other industry professionals, and more. A special thank you to Marlene for joining us today and sharing your insight and knowledge with all of us. And if you'd like to connect with Marlene, her information is posted as a part of this episode's show notes, which you can find on the show's blog at letsbreaktheodds.com. Until next time, let's continue to break the odds together. You've got this. Hey, guess what? You, my friend, made it through today's episode. Cue the confetti. But the conversation doesn't have to end here. If this episode served you today, go ahead and download it so you can have it. And click the subscribe button so you can get notified when another episode is released. Do us a favor and leave a review. We'd love to hear how much you enjoyed this episode. To stay connected, we'd love to have you as a part of the Break the Odds community on social media. There we'll have an opportunity to personally connect with you and you can also connect with others who are taking action towards breaking the odds in their lives. As always, you can catch the show notes from this episode and any discount codes and bonus materials on the blog at letsbreaktheodds.com. See you next time.